Welcome to the Start of Grind podcast. Starting a company is not for the faint of heart. They're always questioning, 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 tweaking, tweaking, tweaking. Where we talk to entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and thought leaders about how to build a great company. Like my friends, like you think you're crazy. I think you got to be a little nuts. And change the world in the process. We optimize for impact instead of profit. It's never been a more exciting time to be an entrepreneur. From startup grind chapters across the globe. The chapter director for Cape Town. Boise, Idaho. London. Mala, Palestine. Guangzhou, China. And delivered to you every Monday and Wednesday. It's a startup grind. I was recently introduced to an amazing company called TopTal. They've got over 2,500 developers and designers in their network. They've screened them extensively so that you can get to work with the top 3% of developers and designers. So basically, you just tell TopTal what developer or designer you're looking for. They then take your business and technical requirements and find the right person for you. You don't have to do all the screening and interviews that you normally would, and they make it really easy for you. You can even do part-time hires that are a few hours a week or full-time hires as well. If you want to get connected to them, send a note to Laura at startupgrind.com and she can personally introduce you to our friend Nelson. He's a VP at TopTal who will make sure you get an amazing experience. That's L-A-U-R-A at startupgrind.com. Hey there and welcome to Wednesday's episode of the Startup Grind podcast. Today we have a great conversation with the owner and general manager of the Seattle Sounders, Adrian Hanauer. Prior to becoming the owner of the Sounders, Adrian was a seed stage investor at Aquantiv Inc. and an early investor at Amazon. He's also the director at the Cambridge United Football Club, and sits on the Board of Trustees for the Museum of History and the Industry Advisory Board of the University of Washington. Overall, Adrian has 15 years of business experience in a variety of industries and has invested in numerous early-stage technology companies in gaming, advertising, infrastructure, and wireless communications. Adrian has earned an intercollegiate sports master's degree. Let's listen in to Adrian Hanauer, interviewed by Startup Grind Seattle director Mike Grabham. Adrian, thanks for being here. Happy to do it. Yeah. It's a half block from my office. Yeah, nice I'll, little walk. I'll be here anytime. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, so, tell me, just you know, you've been, you know, the Sounders have been extremely successful on a, you know, from a, a economic standpoint, where you know the attendance is tops. You know, I think you're probably the top valued if you look at just value of a of a franchise and uh, the right as well. Um, so. Was that does does that surprise you? <laughs> like if somebody yes. would have said somebody would have said that six years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we we there's a reason we we bought the franchise. Uh, there's a reason I got involved in soccer <coughs> back in 2000, uh, 2001. I uh, initially got involved in the minor league team in Seattle, uh, bought the franchise, operated it, but but very early on believed that MLS would would be sort of a, a, a paradigm shift for uh, for our market uh, in soccer and uh, and and possibly for the league overall uh, I just I knew that this market was going to be good uh, my, my partners knew this market was great um, the level of our success you know the the, the scale uh, the fact that we've you know we've really um, y- you know every Every measurable, uh, <laughs> really every every key performance indicator that we measure, other than champ, you know, championships. MLS championships, <laughs> uh, we feel we feel pretty good about, um, uh, and you know we and and you know again we can get more in, into it a little deeper, but you know, I'd love to say that that was all because of brilliant ownership and management, but <laughs> being realistic, 
you know, anybody who's started a business knows that you need a little bit of luck and a little bit of timing and yeah. and the wind blow in the right direction. And, and we had a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. And and when you got involved, Adrian, when you you know said, hey, I'm going to I'm going to get involved in a, at a you know pretty high level. What was the what was the reason behind it? What, what did it, what was the reason for you, not for Joe or, the other, you know, Drew or all the other guys? What was like what was your reason for doing it? Yeah, I would I would say that it was uh, multi multifaceted, but I mean it all centered around uh, community uh, and and you know dating all the way back to um, to the days of the original NASL Sounders. Uh, I went to those games as a kid, uh, starting in 1974. Never missed a game, and it was a family you know it was a family event for us. Uh, and that left an indelible mark on me. Uh, sure. It just became, you know, sort of part of part of um, part of me. And uh, you know, I went to camps. I went to the parties after the games. I got the autographs. You know, those players were my heroes. Uh, I was a big soccer player until I was 16, 17. Went on to school and sure. do do other businesses, and and eventually came back to it. But um, so it, you know, there was that um, that draw uh, once the uh, once I sort of reconnected with uh, with the Sounders as an adult, um, and and uh, I I also and, and I guess along with that I, I I saw as a kid what an impact the Sounders made on me and what what I could maybe participate in for um, for this generation, uh, and you know. Couple that with being, you know, pretty attuned to the changing demographic in in the country, and and the, you know, feeling like the time was right for soccer, um, knowing the the market conditions in Seattle itself, yeah. knowing the group that I was investing with, and and the quality there, the partnership with the Seahawks originally, you know, there were there were a bunch of things sort of screaming out that this would be successful. But, but you know, really at its core for me was community and the love of the game yeah. uh, and trying to, trying to make a massive impact um, in, uh, in, in the Puget Sound and, and nationally, if possible, in the, in the soccer world. Sure. And, and when you were, you know, playing soccer as a kid and, you know, goofing around with that, did, was, was there ever a time where, like, I'd like to own a soccer team someday. No, <laughs> no, it never happened. Uh, I wanted to be a professional player for sure. a while, but then all the other kids grew faster and stronger, and Fast, I got bigger, knocked bigger, faster, on my ass a bunch, <laughs> and decided I better go to school and, sure. and be smart. Yeah, yeah. Um, now you come from a pretty entrepreneurial family. I mean, you know, your brother, your dad. I mean, everybody in your family is entrepreneurial. Um, why is that? What, where'd that start? Was that your dad or was it your dad's dad? Or Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine, I mean, for me, it was my dad. Sure. Um, I imagine for him, it was, it was his, his dad. dad. Uh, but um, yeah, you know, we, we grew up, my, my family's sort of big sort of family business that I grew up in is, is something called Pacific Coast Feather Company, manufacture pillows and, and comforters. It's been in Seattle since 1924. <laughs> Forever, yeah. Um, it's not a little. It's about a three hundred million dollar company. Yeah. But well, I mean okay. <laughs> it's yeah. It's not quite that big anymore. That's a tough business. Nobody go into the uh, pillow, pillow business. business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 
you know, really, I guess what what happened were, were sort of values that were taught, and uh, sure. and you know, it, we were lucky enough, although it didn't seem that way when we were thirteen year old kids, sure. but. Uh, to be able to go down to the factory and push boxes and clean out uh, um, drainage pipes and <laughs> tear feathers out of uh, out of burlap bags and climb through the most dangerous equipment you've ever seen to clean it, um, but you know, and and my dad purposefully gave us the shit jobs sure. to uh-huh. to to teach us. Um, teach us the value of, of, of hard work. Um, there's one, there's one story I like to tell, which I, you know, I didn't learn about until I was, uh, I was an adult, but when I was about 10 years old, my dad bought, um, like three tons of chopped up, um, polyester, uh, ski jackets. And at the time we used polyester in pillows. He threw me in the garage and said, tear the nylon from the from the filling the the, the dacron in the middle i'll pay you 10 cents a pound wow. took me all summer uh to to do this um got my i don't know 103 dollars <laughs> or something and as an adult he told me that they threw all of it away never used any of it um and it was all <laughs> just to keep me busy for a summer and really and keep me focused on a on an activity yeah, yeah, yeah tenacity and and that is you know i'm <clears throat> did you just hit him when you said it when he told you that it's like holy That's crap I mean. dad I, you know i was <laughs> old enough to appreciate it but um might have been pretty pissed if it had been a few years earlier yeah, yeah. um <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but, and, and then beyond the just hard work was, was values, um, of, of treating, you know, treating the people that we work with. Um, you know, again, another story from the family business is, is there were, there were a lot of lean years and the conversations around the dinner table were always that the, the expedient and the profitable thing to do would have been to lay off people. Um, and my dad fought that tooth and nail, even if it meant compromising for our family. Um, tried like crazy not to uh, not to let people go um, if there was a way to avoid it. Sure. Uh, and you know, usually it paid off. And and you know, obviously we've made difficult decisions over the years. Everybody oh. does. But um, but I think that value in terms of of how you treat people, building teams, building great products. Um, uh, doing right by your customers and sort of focusing on on letting the results be the byproduct of, of all that of all the good stuff. So, yeah, yeah, and and so when you so when you got the sound when you you know you went into the the partnership with the Sounders it was obviously you're working with the, the Seahawks with Paul Allen's group. Um, tell us what's the difference? What are the differences between then? And now, I mean, obviously it was 2014, I think you split with those guys. Yeah, so 2014. Um, so what's, the, what's been the kind of the big difference for, for you personally? And then I'll talk more about the company. Yeah, so, uh, you know, maybe to catch people up a little bit, um, when, we, when we launched the Sounders, uh, it was in partnership with the Seahawks. Paul Allen still owns 25% of the team. Uh, and part of the agreement was that the business management group of the Seahawks would run the Sounders MLS team uh, from day one. 
which was fantastic for us because it, it allowed us to focus on the soccer team and the brand and, and, and our fans and less on how we build the infrastructure to sell tickets and sell sponsorships and sell merchandise and operate the stadium and, uh, and uh, a lot of the, you know, the, the really difficult pieces to running a, a, a sports franchise. Um, but, but it was, that was an agreement that was uh, planned to be some, there was gonna be some sort of sunset to that and we would eventually, uh, you know, kick the training wheels off and, and go run our own uh, business uh, group. And we did that, yeah, it was April of 2014. We leased some office space uh, down here in Pioneer Square. Uh, we brought some of the business group mm -hmm. uh, across from the, the Seahawks group, but uh, went out and hired, I think we hired, we came over with about 30, we've hired 40 more, so uh, 70, 75 people in the offices here. Um, for me then personally, I decide, up until that point, I had, for whatever reason, I, I sort of seemed to be, well, back when we launched the team, we needed someone to focus on the soccer side and be the general manager. And, and my partners all looked at me and <laughs> said, you're, you you're know, the guy. you're the only guy. So yeah. you're the only guy living in Seattle who has the time, who has some expertise, uh, who, you know, has been in soccer. Sure. So, so I, I was the general manager and ran the sporting side, uh, up until the end of 2014 and then hired my replacement and have sort of taken on the role uh, of CEO where I'm um, uh, managing the business side, keeping my finger on the pulse of the, of the soccer uh, operations as well. Um, uh, and so for me personally, it's, you know, it's sort of given me a, a new view on, yeah. uh, on the overall business and, and, and now, 90% of my energy is on how we continue to, to grow, uh, grow our business. And, and it's, you know, we've kind of passed that startup stage phase, yeah, phase yeah. you know, where, um, uh, you know, everything's like, it, it just feels it's, it's definitely work now. Like it, you <laughs> yeah. know, those startups are, it's so much fun. The first three years for you, everything's growing and going crazy. Yeah. And you're and learning stuff every, all exactly. the time. Exactly. Yeah. And, and at a certain point it's like, Oh wow, this is really hard work. Yeah. So <laughs> now we're actually working every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in, you know, in doing that, Adrian, the, the work part, right? The work part, what, what part that you would just as soon leave at home not do? Like if you could uh, just say, like let's just say I was in your office and I was working for you and I'd say, hey, what do you, what do you want me to do? And you're like, do this because I, I hate it. I'm ha I'm bad at it. Just do this. Yeah. What would that? What would this be? You know, um, the bar is pretty high because it's a pretty pretty good business. Um, <laughs> so you know, look, their soccer on a global level um, can be a pretty dirty business, um, and. Uh, y you know, like uh, getting the truth out of agents as you deal with <laughs> players and and the rumors yeah. that are started and the, and people denying that they've started those. It, it, you know, that piece of it is is a little dirty and 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 not so much fun. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess uh, here's the other one: is that 
um, and I'm not sure you can you can get rid of it. But um, you know, most people in normal normal jobs, it's not very public. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, like when you screw up in in no our business, it's on the front of the sports page, and yeah. and it kind of sucks. <laughs> uh, you know, like when the team <laughs> when the team is is really struggling, like literally, I. I, when my girlfriend says, hey, let's go to dinner tonight, I think, you know, I don't, I'm not sure I really want to go out and run into people. Um, yeah. So that, you know, that part, that part is tough. And, yeah. I, you know, I came from traditional businesses where sure. um, it wasn't public. The other, the other piece of that is in a traditional business, you know, the other businesses I'm involved in, you know, when you do things right on a day-to-day basis, week-to-week, month-to-month, usually your, you know, your report card, your, your yeah. P&L kind of reflects that. It's like, oh, yeah, we, we did, we did a lot of good work. And, and for us, our P&L really is the results on Saturday. And you can do everything right for week after week after week. Yes. And the ball, you know, Misses. one millimeter to the right and it's a goal one meter to the left it bounces out off the post and everyone thinks you're an idiot yeah so um so that's that's also difficult yeah. and frustrating yeah it's, well especially because like you say you're used to running a normal when i would well a normal business where you are financially like oh okay we did pretty good this month or this this quarter or whatever right um so in in your you know in in the you know, the building of the business, part of this, is the model that you chose is having the, the vote of the fans, which is modeled after, is that Barcelona or somebody? Lots of teams all over the world. Do, yeah. do, do it. So, so, one, why did you do that? Uh, and then, two, would you do the same thing if you had to do it over? Uh, we did it. We, we did maybe, it. Wait, wait a second. Maybe you should explain. Does everyone know how that does that? You might want to explain that. Okay. So, <laughs> so many uh, soccer teams around the world are organized um, almost like membership clubs, like you know the Washington Athletic Club. You're, you're a you're a member of of a sporting club. Uh, you pay your dues, uh, and that entitles you to a vote on. I mean. In, in most soccer clubs, it's a vote on the senior uh, executive of the, of the club. Um, it's more complicated than that, but basically you, you know, you're a stakeholder uh, in your club. Uh, and we wanted to, to model uh, after that. Uh, and, and it was really driven, if I'm honest, by uh, Drew Carey, who's one of, one of my partners, uh, who had been to, uh, to Barcelona and Real Madrid <laughs> and, and loved, that, uh, loved that system. Uh, and so we created, you know, our mantra, I guess, is democracy in sports. Uh, we wanted our fans to feel like more than just, you know, just ATMs that we hit up once a year for their season ticket money. Uh, we wanted them to feel like stakeholders and uh, be involved, be a, be a voice for us to, uh, to, to, you know, know whether we're doing well or, or, or not. So... Uh, the, the, the main piece of that uh, for us became the vote on uh, uh, the general manager, the sporting, the, the, the lead sporting uh, executive with the Sounders. And every four years, our fans, our season ticket holders, 
uh, get to vote on whether the general manager retains uh, uh, his or her job or loses it. Um, it's a vote of confidence or no confidence. Uh, we've been through the process once. Uh, I believe it was after the 2012 season. Um, I was the general manager at the time. Thankfully, we had a good season in 2012 and uh, uh, got a vote of, of confidence. Sure. Um, and how do you feel? How did you feel about that? Is it? I mean, it's still a little nerve-wracking, isn't it? It was. It was a little nerve-wracking, especially when my brother told me he didn't think I'd get reelected. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so, um, yeah, again, it's kind of a public thing. Like, yeah. Sort of popular. Do you like me? Do you not like me? So, um, but, uh, you know, and, and related to that, this whole democracy thing, we, we've created various um, fan councils, uh, advisory boards um, that meet with ownership uh, on a quarterly basis, if not more often. Uh, and we try to try to divulge as much as possible to those fan groups uh, to to try to make sure we're you know we're still you know we're still heading the right direction. Yep. Uh, and you know sometimes it you don't sometimes we hear things that we don't necessarily like or want to hear, and sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree. But um, you know, having that fan feedback on a regular basis, yeah. customer feedback, is has been tremendous for us. Yeah, I and mean it's true for any company, right? I mean, but sports, a lot of franchises just don't do that. It, it is. I mean, it's pretty traditional business where you know, super rich owners who, quite frankly, could you know, could give it. You know, yeah. it's changing, could, but could give yeah. a shit. Like yeah. their building is full. Um, you know. You want you don't want the fifteen percent price increase? Don't come. Don't don't come. Don't come. Well, somebody else <laughs> is in line to buy the tickets. Yeah. And we've tried to you know tried to run it as close to a, a, a business that you know could maybe be you know compared to a, a, a publicly held company, company. or yeah. something where. Yeah. And what is it work like? What's working with Drew Carey and Joe Roth? I mean, those guys are obviously L.A. Hollywood kind of type guys. What, what, <laughs> like, what is that? What the hell is that? I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, they're very, they're very different. Sure, um, I would, I would assume that. I don't know either yeah. one of them, but I would assume they're very different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have strong opinions, especially <laughs> Joe. Joe, so <laughs> Joe, Hollywood movie producer, um, big, big movies, yeah, um, yeah. Alice in Wonderland, Snow White and the Huntsman. Um, He's uh, used to getting his way. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Um, and look, we've, you know, we've butted heads and we've, um, but generally it's gone, it's gone really well. He, he, you know, he's in LA, uh, he, he, he wants his opinion heard, um, and makes that very clear. Um, but he also knows we're up here busting our butts trying yeah. to do the right thing. And, yeah, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, again, we haven't won an MLS championship, but we've had pretty good success. Um, and I mean, he's been involved along the way. Uh, he, he comes to probably half the games oh, up, really? here, up here, maybe much? more. Um, wow. uh, we talk, if not, I mean, every day, uh, if not a couple times a day, wow. um, always wants to know what's going on with the team. 
and then and Drew Drew is you know way low key, totally passionate into it, loves it, uh, working, doing a lot of work uh, in in LA now, so he hasn't been up to as many games. Uh, kind of uh, um, you know owner of the people uh, or for the people. He's he, the voice of the people. He yeah. is, and you know he'll wander into a bar and <laughs> drop down a credit card and say you know. Beers for everyone and uh, <laughs> super generous. Do you, do you get that bill? What's that? Do you get that no, bill? No, no, <laughs> he pays it. Okay. He pays it. Maybe he takes it out of prices right <laughs> money. Uh, now, nah, he's he's been fantastic as well and, and good for our profile nationally. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, now there are other teams that are starting to, to get some of those celebrities involved. Um, there's a, a new team in LA, LAFC, that uh, you know Will Farrell is one of the owners. Um, mm. Mia Hamm, Tony Robbins, among wow. you know huge yeah. crew of uh, yeah. uh, cast of characters. But um, but they all help raise the profile sure. of the game and the team. Yeah, which is great. It's great for everybody, right? Um, so in your in the process of you know running the company today, uh, you know. Where is it going? Where do you see some kind of big things happening, big changes? You know, maybe maybe not talk so much detail about the tech at this point because we'll go into that a little later, but where do you see some changes happening? And, you know, because most of us in this audience are, you know, from the startup world, software, disruption, those kind of things. Wh what things do you see kind of happening in your business? What's, what's interesting for you that you're kind of either watching out for or even planning for? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard to answer that question without talking about technology, but, um, but y you know, again, generally speaking, I'll go back to the to kind of the demographics. Um, you know, our fan base is young, well-educated, urban, uh, very, you know, y very connected to tech. Um, yeah. uh, now, again, our, our, our fan base is broader than that, but, but you know, a big core uh, audience uh, is is that uh, is that group and and it's you know it's in those downtown cores where we're where we're building uh, where we're building our stadiums that are successful sure. uh, in the league today um, but you know uh, aside from that obviously broadcast is in is in a massive sort of transition phase mm -hmm. um, a lot of the digital companies kind of you know, kicking the tires on rights, um, uh, whether that's an Amazon or a Google or uh, or Microsoft. Um, you know, Yahoo obviously tested uh, sure. uh, a deal with the NFL. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think that is going to um, be a, something to follow over the next uh, 10 years or so. Um, uh, Adrian, on that point, how 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 much influence can an Xbox or how much can they influence anything within your organization? Uh, well, Yahoo or you know, any if they get if they get deeply involved, can they really influence anything, or is it still going to be you know owners running the show? Uh, well, I think it's going to be owners running the show now do you so i'm when i talk about this broadcast i you know it's just for the rights fees you know yeah. these guys are going to come in whether it's an amazon or or, or google or apple and buy the nhl or something and uh, the rights to broadcast all sure. the live live programming 
um, probably build a channel around it uh, of, of shoulder content. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I guess the answer to your question is it depends how big the check is. Sure, that's, that um, was what I was getting to. Is like, can they have, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we would, you know, with our broadcast partner, we will create sort of co-create content, for instance. Um, and again, it's just for us, it's, you know, it's really a, it's a financial deal and it's a distribution deal. You know, how do we get uh, in front of more eyeballs uh, with quality content sure. uh, and extend the brand uh, and and create fans? So, you know, some of that is is money. Some of it is um, uh, the the profile of the partner. Um, for instance, again, sort of back to traditional media. Uh, you know, our, our broadcasts are on uh, Q13, Joe sure. TV, yep. um, over the air, wide distribution. We've had some choices along the way to maybe get paid a little bit more money, um, but less, uh, less access and distribution for our fans. Sure. Uh, and we've chosen the path of more, of distribution. more distribution. But there is some amount of money that would convince us to change change course yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, in the long run you know potentially there there is that it there it, it potentially could happen down the road but it's probably a ways down the road yeah, yeah could yeah. be yeah. um you know again we well sort of sticking with just a few other um you know changes that 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 at least i i see i think virtual reality um uh is uh is going to be huge in sports um in in no, I don't know exactly what Where? form, um, but whether it's, you know, um, whether it's uh, um, uh, coaching, playing, more, more sort of soccer um, uses uh, on the technical side to analyze play and movements and, uh, and, and the field of play, um, uh, or fan experience, you know, clearly that's going to be uh, uh, a big, uh, a big opportunity. You know, we talk about, you know, whether there's, can you create a two or three minute uh, virtual reality video about the experience of a Seattle Sounders game, go show that around, you know, the city at, for, to people who haven't been to a to game, a game and ask for their credit card exactly you know like yeah, be in the game yeah yeah um so so let's talk a bit about that because that is really interesting because it it, it it i think it's going to affect a lot of actually sports and that's just soccer it's not the only one but you know uh, nba nfl all that stuff um how is that gonna i mean in your head how is that gonna work i mean what is like your theory on it uh, uh, none of us know but what's your theory on how virtuality or just connecting the engaging the fans to the players you know during the games even how how do you see some of those things happening for us yeah i you know i, I wish i knew um yeah i'd, I'd start the company <laughs> totally um, i would help <laughs> yeah but you know look i think it's going to be i think it's going to be a slow a slow build obviously yeah. there's yeah. still financial pressures and challenges to 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 being involved in, in a virtual reality experience. Um, I think it will, my guess is it'll probably start um, uh, more on the uh, coach, on the, on the team side, P 
people who, you know, where we are willing to invest half a million dollars in a system that, that will help us as opposed to 60,000 uh, fans at home with HoloLens sets yeah. watching, uh, watching uh, uh, from their homes. I think it'll, you know, I think it'll slowly build. Um, but in 10 years, I don't doubt that everyone in every home will have a virtual reality headset yeah. and, and you'll be watching, whether it's live sports, uh, 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 um, highlights of sports, um, you'll choosing be right, you'll where, be right you, well where you sit in the stadium, being able to be at away games from your, from your couch, um, uh, um, uh, obviously being able to shop for merchandise, tickets, um, uh, uh, systems for us allowing our sponsors to envision what being a sponsor of the team um, uh, means and, and, you know, the, the touch points they, that sponsor has with our fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, again, I'm just not smart enough to pick the one that's going to be first. Yeah, and, and would you, are you guys more likely to, to invest in something that is, say, uh, helps with the team, you know, helps the team more data points, right? It gives the team, meaning the coaches and the owners, more data points as well as helping the audience, fans, somehow engage. Is that kind of the, that would be like the, the thing that you would want to see? Yeah, you know, uh, if my, my gut tells me that I, I will be more interested in fan engagement technology as opposed to team side stuff um like data I, analysis and gathering more data and yeah, okay. yeah and and we you know on the team side right now we do we, we invest really heavily um on on in sports science and data data collection and crunching the the, the data mm -hmm. um uh but i do think that there is there's big opportunity and there's risk um, of not continuing to, um, you know, there are a lot of entertainment uh, opportunities for, for fans. Um, first, we have to make sure that the stadium experience is, is yeah. fantastic because yeah. um, that's, you know, that's a challenge in and of itself in, in pro sports leagues that, you know, people are leaving the stadium for their, for their sofa. Sure. Because um, now they've got, you know, 120 inch TVs with multiple yeah. angles and yeah. a second screen right there and yeah. uh, the bathroom right there <laughs> and pause, <laughs> pause exactly. on the direct TV, you know. Yeah. So, um, uh, so we need to, you know, we need to keep, keep figuring out how we uh, either enhance that experience to, and, and find ways to, you know, monetize um, the experience at home or, or make sure that the fan experience at the stadium is so is, good that yeah, they just they can't miss it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and have you seen anything like in the last year, six months that said this is really interesting? It's maybe a little early, but yeah, I've seen I've seen some stuff that that is way early uh, on the you know I've seen probably more on the team side uh, than the fan. Sure. Uh, fan engagement side. I've seen some sales tools for if you're going to buy a suite 
for instance, sure. uh, for a bunch of years, put on a headset and take a tour of the suite, video. Um, pretty cool. Pretty cool yeah. stuff. Um, but, you know, again, I'm not sure. I think we're a few years from away from, from prime time. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, it's coming. And, and it, what, is there any interesting technology for, like, the players – you know, because like there's you know the local company here that does mouth guards. You know that there's lots of interesting kind of sports tech stuff. Is there anything kind of soccer or just stuff that you've seen that again is interesting and or you know you're using? Yeah, yeah. We uh, I don't know people who've heard me talk before probably ad nauseum have heard me you know speak about our sports science. Um, see some head nodding. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know we. At, on the team side, we use a, l- a lot of um, uh, a lot of systems. You know, I would say they're all based around a couple of, of um, pretty basic and old technology at this point. One is a is a heart rate monitor that every player wears during every training session, and the other is a GPS unit uh, that that yeah. everybody uh, every player wears. And uh, from that, though, we're able to track uh, acceleration, deceleration, distance traveled, um, speed at which the players are traveling. Um, uh, heart rate then is is synchronized with that, sure. um, so we know. And and then the drills that we're doing ter- during those training sessions, so we know, you know, during a five v five small sided game that. You know, Dempsey's heart rate got to 97% of his max heart rate um, in the early stage of this, you know, of this exercise where he hadn't run it at speed for very, like, you know, okay, what's going on yeah. his, with his fitness? Um, uh, um, we, you know, along with all of that, we do a, a, a ton of, um, there's another system called Omega Wave that, that measures, um, um, uh, 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 neuro uh, CNS central nervous system uh, function functioning helps us understand whether guys are getting enough sleep uh, nutrition um, wow. uh, there so we have like eight systems we have sleep monitoring um, and we throw it all into a giant database and um, uh, former Microsoft uh, uh, data scientist who who helps us um, create algorithms that 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 spit out uh, hopefully pretty graphs that the coaches <laughs> can use. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, Something and, useful. Yeah, and all of that is really based uh, really for three main purposes. One, um, to uh, uh, monitor risk of injury uh, so that we can avoid avoid uh, soft tissue injuries, muscle muscle injuries. Uh, two, to get guys perfectly tuned uh, for Saturday game time uh, so that the loading is just right, so that they've got the right energy and and um, uh, and um, uh, stamina for the game. And then third is is for injury recovery, um, how we how we get players back from from being injured as, as quickly as possible. So, so on the sports side, I mean, you know, there is tons of cool stuff. Um, yeah. You know, where it where it merges with um, fan engagement. You know, there's some talk 
our league wouldn't allow this currently, but there's some really tiny cameras, um, and you could potentially, you know, embed cameras in a player so that not literally in a player, but <laughs> on, on a player's clothing, clothing uh, <laughs> so that you could get that, you know, that view as, sure. the, as the player is competing. Um, uh, yeah. Anything with the shoes? Well, Adidas has has a system that th throws a GPS unit in the in the shoe. Um, we've chosen to use the. Uh, there's an Australian company uh, called cool. Catapult that puts it in the. But um, uh, other than the wheels and the flashing, you know, flashing lights, I I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> think. Yeah, nothing yeah. comes to mind. Comes, yeah. Okay. A quick um, break from the Startup Grind podcast for some recent startup headlines. Theranos may face multiple lawsuits linked to several voided blood tests. The lawsuit claims that the company issued erroneous results, which may have led to some incorrect treatments. Reports also cite an SEC investigation, which is seeking to establish if, if investors were misled over the company's technology. Nura has launched a Kickstarter for headphones that purportedly adjust to the user's hearing profile. Nura claims the headphones auto-calibrate by measuring the returning sound waves. The headphones have raised $380,000 on a $100,000 goal. A class action lawsuit is claiming that Facebook is violating federal privacy laws by scanning URLs and private messages for targeting and advertising purposes. Facebook has already confirmed that it does scan for malware and illegal activity. Facebook says the data is anonymized and only utilized in aggregate, yet expert analysis has indicated that timestamps and user IDs are also retained. Let's get back to the interview with Adrian Hanauer. Um, so, so talk to us about, you know, it's still, a, it's still a business. You still have to, you know, you still have to manage people. They're humans. You know, they do things unpredictable sometimes. So what love social media, <laughs> by the way, because <laughs> they never do put a post anything on social media that, that never. we all regret. Exactly. <laughs> What what in your uh, last few years? What what has been uh, kind of a big learning for you? Just you know, being CEO and running you know a company that's seventy people that, as you said, is a public entity for the most part. Um, you know, it's in the newspaper daily. What have you learned? What's been the thing that you've learned? Um, oh boy. Uh, well, I mean, look from from day one, uh, I I would say that. I think in a good way, I, I learned that that running a professional sports franchise is, is not too dissimilar from the businesses that we all yeah. are in, we're in. I, you know, to your point, um, having a really good plan, um, uh, having uh, really good goals and achievable goals, surrounding yourself with great people. Uh, who are passionate about what they do uh, and uh, uh, are respectful. You know, one of the things, again, from my family's business, you know, we always wanted to work around people that were nice to each other and respectful of each other. And, um, yeah. and you know, life is short. And, and to work around dirtbags and people that, sure. you know, yeah. bring you down just <laughs> wasn't, not worth it. at least wasn't going to fly in my, in my yeah. world. Yeah. Um, uh, what's been hard for you? Yeah. What's been I, hard for you? Yeah. The hardest thing for me is, is the public piece of it and s staying away from the message boards. Sure. Um, uh, <laughs> not reading the paper. 
Yeah, not reading the paper. Although the paper is much better than the message boards. Uh, um, yeah, if you're ever in a business that has message boards, stay away, um, because uh, because everyone in management is an idiot. Uh, um, no, but you know, look, it's a double-edged sword because uh, because it's it's the hardest. But but you know, there's a kernel of truth in well. Not everything, but um, most things in, in, in a lot of things. And, yeah. you know, again, though, the the, the most again, I mean, again, it sounds like I'm whining, but just this whole idea people will people will go on message boards and post things as fact sure. when because they know it's a fact <laughs> when in fact it's not a fact. It's yeah. nowhere near true. And and then 10 people will go about their day based on that fact that yeah. someone and you know it's it's uh it's a different world yeah. right i mean so that that's that's the frustrating part that the, that is like you just like you say it's not it's not true you can't erase it <laughs> you can't tell people not to read it you know all those things so it, it is what it is right yeah and and you know and again just just i guess uh we have, you know, we have 36,000 season ticket holders yeah. and we want to make everyone happy. Um, but, you know, again, I guess that's something I've learned. It turns out it's kind of impossible to make everybody happy all the time. Uh, and so so the, the, the result of that is that we as, an, as a management team and the owners have to really, really believe in each other and, and what we're doing and sure. and know that our hearts are in the right place and our you know hopefully our brains are in the right place as well and that that we've got the you know the 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 wherewithal and the uh vision to to sort of see where we're headed and know that that sometimes we're gonna have to make unpopular decisions sure. uh, to get there yeah, yeah exactly and, and so if i asked you five years ago that you were going to have 36,000 season ticket holders, would you have just laughed at me? Well, five years ago, we had 28,000, so no, I wouldn't have laughed well, at you at that five point. Eight, nine S years yeah. ago, if you had asked me, I would have laughed at you. Yeah. Well, and we, we look, when we planned our, our business, we did a bunch, uh, several pro formas, and one of them had, one of them had, 9,000 season ticket holders, one was 12,000 and one was 15,000. Um, so. That was, and, and we had scaled the building for a capacity of about 25,000. Um, that was going to be the maximum capacity. Um, yeah. And, uh, and you know, quickly we realized that we had underestimated. And, and those numbers would have been, in those days in Major League Soccer, would have been decent numbers yeah so yeah so i mean obviously you blew that out of the water so but again uh, let me just I, I just to be clear we <laughs> made some very good decisions but uh but the sonics were on their way out of town sure um Which the seahawks and mariners had sucked for years um uh we had we had this unbelievable um, management team that, that we launched with. We had pent-up demand uh, for Major League Soccer in this market that we knew about, but we didn't, you know, we couldn't imagine how, you know, yeah. how strong that was. Uh, 
again, we put a good team together. We came out of the gates winning. Uh, we hired some, uh, assigned some, some you know, pretty big name yep. players. We just, you know, everything, everything seemed to fire on all. So we just, you know, yeah, and and we got lucky. There's and a little luck good in there. timing. Yeah, there's a little luck in there, but timing and you know, and recognizing that it's good time is also something you can, ch- you can pat yourself on the back a little bit. No, not much, just a little bit. Uh, so so, the Sounders are worth around two hundred fifty million dollars. Ish, right? Give or take. Who do you think surprises the By most? By the way, if anyone wants them for two fifty, yeah. I'm, I'm a I'm seller. seller. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, who do you think that it surprised the most? You, your brother, or Paul Allen? My brother, who thought that it was the, the stupidest, stupidest thing. single <laughs> idea he had ever heard in his life to to buy an MLS team. Okay. Uh, That's great. Uh, and <laughs> made sure I knew that often, often. until. <laughs> we launched, and we had 22,000 season ticket holders in the first three weeks. Yeah. Then he said that it was a great idea, and it was his all along. <laughs> Anybody who knows my brother will, will exactly. appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, speaking of your brother, if I asked your brother right now what you're good at, what would he tell me? Nothing, probably. <laughs> um, Nothing at all. Uh, spending money. <laughs> uh no, I think I look. I think he would. I, I would call my brother, b- both my brother and I. Um, uh, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Sure. Uh, I, I think we're we're both. I mean, he, you know, he's gained a lot of expertise in some some areas, and I, I guess I have as well. But I think we're both. You know, we grew up pretty well rounded, Generalist. and and um, know a, know enough about enough things to you know, kind of be dangerous and also be effective at the same yeah. time. Yeah, stay out of hot water and... Yeah. yeah, and, you know, and again, I think that that's made... I mean, it, it's made me effective in with the Sounders is I know enough about every area of our business to kind of call bullshit or, or, or you know, sure. see whether it passes the, the, the sniff test. Yep. Um, now, that said, we're... Uh, uh, hiring and interviewing senior developers uh, next week, and <laughs> I, I was asked to interview them. You're like, what? Uh, I'm like, okay, I can tell you if he's nice or not, um, but that, that's about it. So I'm no good after that. Give me five minutes. Yeah. Um, so, guys, you get some questions ready if you're uh, up for it. I'll, uh, I'll get some questions here in just a couple minutes. Um, now, do you have? Do you have a mentor you work with or mentors? Do you have people you bounce ideas off? Yeah, I, I, I have several. Um, you know, I would say that the, the, the gentleman who's the closest to a mentor I have is uh, uh, Todd Lewicki, who oh. uh, mm-hmm. was the CEO of the Seahawks, Seahawks Sounders. Yeah. He's now the chief operating officer of the NFL. Um, in my mind, one of the great sports executives ever uh, in, in this country um, has... Uh, hit it out of the park on multiple occasions with multiple franchises, um, is one of the best people managers uh, I've ever seen. Uh, uh, I I visited him after he left the Seahawks. He became the CEO and and partner in the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning NHL franchise. And three weeks after he got there, I I went and visited for, for a game. We walked around the arena 
he probably knew half of the ushers' names, uh, uh, you know, by heart. Um, knew, you know, knew their families, knew his way around the arena. I, I you know, I, I was embarrassed when I came home, y- sure. you know, that, <laughs> uh, and, you know, people just, they'll, they'll run through walls for Todd. Uh, yeah. and, and he's just such a, such a good person. Um, the other, you know, the other, the, the, the other thing that I learned from Todd is again, we, you know, we run into a lot of difficult situations in, in our franchise, in, in everybody's business. He was the one who immediately raised his hand and said, I'm on it. Like, we have to make this difficult call and tell these people who bought 10,000 tickets that we don't have any tickets for them. I'm on it. I'm calling them right now. Um, always wanted the nastiest, worst uh, <laughs> things because he didn't want the people that worked for him to, to necessarily have to have to sure. take it on. And um, and so, you know, kind of that old adage, you, you know, you, you want to be you never want to make someone do something that w- you, you wouldn't do, do yourself. Thing. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, so he's, he's been fantastic. And, you know, more on, on maybe the personal level and, and kind of thinking through my life and what I do with it, certainly my, my brother and, sure. and uh, before he passed away, my dad. So, yeah. and, and what about others you meant, ment- mentee for others? I mean, are you mentoring any other people? Is there any... I, you know, I, I, that's none that I know of. (laughs) I mean, I, I, like, I don't have a weekly meeting with someone where I, um, I hope that maybe (laughs) some of what I do is worthy of, of being, you know, duplicated or repeated or, um, but, uh, but I don't, you know, I don't have a, you don't have like once a month you meet with X or her or him or whatever. No, I think, you know, the people in our office are probably like, okay, now you've been in my office <laughs> too many times <laughs> this week. Just go away. Go away. Exactly. Uh, any questions, guys? Buzz all the way back there. What about this, the salary cap schema? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the uh, it's I think it's one of the things, quite frankly, that's uh, that's led Major League Soccer to be as successful it has as it has the last twenty years. Um, we have a um, I mean, not a super complicated salary cap, but uh, in you know whatever round numbers, where we spend call it five million dollars a year on. Um, on our uh, 20 players, so an average of $250,000 per player, but we're we're allowed to have three players that basically we can pay anything we want. Um, so you know, a Clint Dempsey, who I think again you can look this up, is on something like five million dollars a year. Um, uh, so they're you know three players. It allows for our our, our league is very focused on parity. Uh, we want uh, we want every team's fans to believe in the beginning of the year that they can win a championship because uh, we think that that's a that's a better model than you know take this year's miracle of Leicester City uh, out of the English Premiership. But typically there are four or five teams in the beginning of any 
year in, in England that can win a championship. In Spain, there are three teams. In Germany, there's really there's one, but there you could probably say there are two. Um, every other team is basically playing to avoid, uh, if people are familiar with soccer, uh, avoid relegation, which uh, in the rest of the world, if you finish at the bottom of the league, you go to the next league down. Mm -hmm. So imagine the Mariners finishing in last place and going to AAA uh, <laughs> the next year. Um, and that's the, the, the impact is that great financially too. Um, just, I'm rambling, but in the English Premier League, <clears throat> every team is guaranteed, I think this year, um, actually, I think next year, <clears throat> they're guaranteed a hundred and I want to say a hundred and sixty million dollars um, in TV money. TV money. Uh, every single team. Wow. If you are relegated <laughs> to the next league down, it's about twenty million. Yeah. Um, uh, so. Significant. Uh, yeah. Did that? But yeah. I mean. Yeah, no, it's it's very true. Scouting, uh, coaching, uh, tech, uh, technology, sports science, uh, facilities, um, and and culture. How you know how you treat people and and building you know cohesiveness and and uh, and a, a great organization. All the way in the back. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, for me, soccer was always a passion of mine. And again, I didn't necessarily know I was going to own a, a soccer <laughs> franchise. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's referring to, I, I have a chain of picture framing stores, but yep. picture framing was never a passion of mine. <laughs> um, business, business <laughs> was. And, yeah, and so I is, got, yeah. you know, got out of, uh, I, I got that, um, satisfaction out of out of that business um but but you know the soccer thing you know it's i mean look it's a dream job dream business i mean there's i mean there's a reason why a bunch of you know billionaires want to own sports franchises it's fun um it's fun and it's i guess it's sort of the ultimate billionaire toy um owning a i mean you can be a millionaire and own an MLS franchise, but but NBA, NHL, uh, uh, major NBA, NHL, NFL, and major anyway, yeah, the other four. Um, it's a billion dollar billion dollar business. So, um, you know, look, I I I I can whine a little bit. You know, <laughs> everybody you know everybody has their own issues, right? But uh, I'm really flipping lucky uh in in what i'm doing uh it's a it's a blast uh right here 
And by, by team, you mean the business yeah, yeah, team the or the? Business team. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about yeah. the players. <laughs> um, so, uh, again, when we, when we moved from, uh, from the Seahawks facility, we brought maybe 30, 30 people over, but more junior-level people. And then we, we really went out and recruited um, director-level, VP-level people to, to take on some of the management roles. Some people were, were promoted, um, but, you know, our vice president of marketing comes from D.C. United in, in our league. Um, uh, I can't... I, Blanking, but but you know we 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 went around and and uh, either recruited people out of sports or or industries that we thought would would uh, cross over well, um, uh, and you know we're lucky enough first being in sports um, you know I'm sure in certain technology worlds people want to be in tech as well sure everybody wants to, I'm exaggerating a lot of people want to be in sports. Yeah. Um, sometimes I feel like I could have people pay us to work for the sports franchise, but, um, but it's, it's a really coveted job and especially with the Sounders that have been so successful, um, uh, and have sort of rewritten the, 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 you know, modestly speaking, sort of rewritten the rules on, on what, uh, a soccer business can be in, in, in this country. Um, does that answer question? No, there were four four uh, owners, uh, and uh, you know the way that really went down is uh, I got a call one day from the commissioner of Major League Soccer and said, "Hey, you should meet this Joe Roth guy, um, who's a Hollywood movie producer, and he wants to own an MLS team." So I googled Joe <laughs> Roth and had no idea who he was. <laughs> sure. and, um, and again, as you know, like as you know sort of an inside story as to how crazy these things work. I, I met him. Uh, we spent an hour talking about poker because we were both poker players um, and hit it off. Over, didn't even talk about soccer. And, and, you know, the next day the commissioner called. He's like, hey, sounds like you guys would be perfect partners. You know, you both <laughs> like poker. Um, yeah. uh, Drew Carey then found out that Joe Roth was going was gonna to – uh, buy a franchise and called him and said, I want, in. Uh, I want in. Funny story along with that is they had a meeting set up for a bar near the Price is Right studio and Drew spinning the wheel broke his hand um, just before the meeting and was supposed to, was needed to go to the hospital to sure. get his hand fixed and said, no, 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 I've got to go to this meeting at the bar, meet Joe first, because I've got to try and get in this soccer thing, and uh, went to the meeting, and and uh, they ended up doing a deal, and, and then Drew went off to the hospital, and then Paul, uh, Paul Allen was kind of the final piece, um, and, and quite frankly, his was uh, more of a um, Infrastructure. Uh, trade for, for equity deal, so basically providing the, the management team providing the stadium in exchange for equity. That's not a bad deal. I no, it turned I mean, out it was great. It's good it, for you guys, yeah, too. Yeah, it was I mean, great for both, yeah, both sides. Both parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right here in front.
Where Where are you from? I'm from Mexico. Okay. Yeah. What's your team in Mexico? America. Yeah. No. Were you at the game? Okay. Yeah, so uh, we, um, it, and it's a work in progress, um, but about five years ago, uh, started with our academy. Uh, so we go down to, right now we go down to under 12s, um, so 10 and 11 year olds. Uh, we also have partnerships with youth clubs in the area um, uh, um, to identify players, to bring them into that, uh, into that. Uh, net. Um, it's interesting because the Hispanic players sometimes are not in the organized soccer, so that's kind of a, an, an area where we we have challenges. And often they're the you know they're the skillful players who whose families have come from from Central America, South America, uh, Mexico, uh, and uh, it's a, it's an area where we need to do better. Um, but uh, but that said, we do, we have under 12 Sounders, under 12 Academy team, uh, under 14, under 15, under 16, under 18. Um, and then we have the shirt you're wearing, S2, uh, which is our, uh, which is our um, reserve team, our second team, which plays in the third division of U.S. soccer. Um, uh, so again, the idea is that, that we can identify a, a, a nine or a 10 year old and bring them through the system. Uh, again, the, the, the challenge with that is that um, at nine, 10, 11, 13, 14 years old, it's really kind of a numbers game. Uh, you can identify maybe the best nine year old, but <laughs> that player may not be the best player four years 14, from now. Yeah. And, uh, and, and a good example of that is uh, a young man who we signed this year uh, named Jordan Morris. Um, Jordan uh, was a fantastic athlete and a good soccer player until he was 16. But at 16 or 17, he turned into a, a, a man among boys um, and uh, became the high top goal scorer in the academy league at under 18 got recruited to Stanford. Um, many of you, I'm sure, know this story, but went to, went to Stanford for three years, led their team to a national championship, uh, became the first player in 25 years as a college player to play for the U.S. national team, uh, scored a goal against Mexico, um, uh, and then thankfully uh, signed, uh, signed a contract with us in, uh, in uh, February and is going to be a really, really good, <laughs> good player. player. Yeah. yeah. Uh, two more questions. Two more questions. Uh, overall, on the left, your hand up.
Yeah, I mean, it's a super complicated question that has, <laughs> you know, lots of layers to it. Um, you know, one thing that that we as a league na- need to take some responsibility for is that uh, we play, uh, sometimes we play during uh, FIFA windows. Um, and again, this is for the non-soccer people, this is like, you know, like... Greek, uh, uh, you know, there are fi- FIFA is the world governing body of soccer. They determine certain windows during the year when players are pulled from their clubs to go play for their national teams for tournaments. Um, and it's this continual battle because uh, the clubs don't want to give up their their players. Um, Oftentimes, not oftentimes, sometimes they come back injured from playing for their national teams, which is really, really frustrating. Uh, And in our case, in our league, sometimes our players are gone and we actually play league league games and and so teams are at a disadvantage. Although in in a league with parity, theoretically, teams should be disadvantaged on a somewhat similar similar basis um but you know if i'm if i'm honest about last season certainly national team call-ups was a was a problem but we uh we also got hit with a lot of injuries uh and those injuries in 2013 we uh, we we measure the number of injuries and how many games those players miss 2013 no, sorry, 2014 was the same as 2015, but in 2015, those injuries occurred to basically our, our top players. In 2014, it was players who maybe didn't, weren't quite as uh, critical to the, to the su- success. So anyway, it's, I mean, really, really complicated, but I don't see the end of that, that um, you know, battle between national teams and, and clubs anytime soon. Yeah. One more question. All the way in the back. Let me repeat the, let me repeat the question. Is it so? You're saying is there a common thread in in the businesses that you've been involved with, owned, operated, et cetera? Is there a common thread in 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 the decision making? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, I might go back to sort of my gen- sort of more generic statement about you know, uh, for me. A good business, you know, has some pretty core components, you you know, a good, a good, uh, a a good plan, a good roadmap, good goals, good product. um, And then, you know, great people that are all, you know, all passionate and um, heading in the right, in the the same direction. Um, That doesn't mean that it that everyone agrees with everyone, you know, all the time. I, I think uh, disagreement is really, really healthy, but but in in a really you know in a functional 
uh, way. Um, uh, and you know, and then and then leaders, managers who are willing to get out of the way and let you know let people grow and thrive and um, uh, and dream and and uh, uh, and and take risks. Uh, you know, that's that's something. You know, occasionally it gets us in trouble uh, in in our in our organization, uh, but we, you know, we always try to push uh, risk taking um, within within different departments. Uh, and you know, someone mentioned the the game day experience atmosphere being uh, uh, you know top notch, second to none. But you know, and and I think probably I'd be accused in our organization of being a little hypercritical. But like I look at it and I see, like see all this opportunity uh, and how it can be so much better. Um, uh, and you know, some of that is in risk taking. Some of that is in being uh, uh, self-critical. Um, uh, and you know, and and. A, Big piece of it rests on rests on me and the other leaders to just continue to to, to push and uh, and and push the goals and uh, push the envelope of, of what's possible. Well, I first, want to say thank you for being here. It's great. Uh, second, thanks for the sponsors for allowing us to be here. PwC. PricewaterhouseCoopers, awesome. Uh, Galvanize Sponsor of course. of the Sounders as well. Yeah, they're the great guys. Um, um, Galvanize, of course. Drizzly, Patrick, thanks for helping out. Um, Seed IP, of course. And uh, Pivotal, thanks, Carl. And most of all, thank you guys for being here. And to do that, Adrian brought a little gift. So whoever asked a question, we're going to give four Sounder tickets to. So... Um, because how many tickets do we have here? You're, you're better at math, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't. So, uh, I'll, uh, you might want to start with two. <laughs> so, thanks for being here. Uh, great for showing up tonight. And it was a we have a game tonight. Uh, little crowd was a little sparse tonight, but uh, again, thank you for being here. Uh, we are here next month, last Tuesday month. It's Sarah Bird from uh, SEO or SEO Moz, right? Yep. She'll be here uh, on the last day of May. So look forward to seeing you there. Go to our Facebook page at Seattle Grind. Uh, like our Facebook page and follow us on Seattle Grind on Twitter. Thanks a lot. Have a great evening. Be safe. I was recently introduced to an amazing company called TopTal. They've got over 2,500 developers and designers in their network. They've screened them extensively so that you can get to work with the top 3% of developers and designers. So basically you just tell TopTal what developer or designer you're looking for. They then take your business and technical requirements and find the right person for you. You don't have to do all the screening and interviews that you normally would and they make it really easy for you. You can even do part-time hires that are a few hours a week or full-time hires as well. If you want to get connected to them, send a note to Laura at startupgrind.com and she can personally introduce you to our friend Nelson. He's a VP at TopTal who will make sure you get an amazing experience. That's L-A-U-R-A -A at startupgrind.com.